You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Wednesday at 8 p.m. Two, one. <laughs> 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 Music is what I want more. Baby Radio, I'm Professor David Kirk Philp, along with your doctor, Esteban. Marconi Emeritus. Yes, in Florida, yes. in the Sunshine State. How is it, doctor? Very nice. Let me let me show the fans who are on the. That's right. Oh. The fans who are uh, who are listening in on the podcast and the radio in their mind's eye see the sun and they see Mar-a-Lago and they see all good. Yeah, no, they don't see Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> no, I thought that's where you were staying, maybe on the ground floor or something, and maybe gonna no, do some vacuuming later or something. I wouldn't go near that. <laughs> well, as long as you're happy. But the inhabitants. We have a guest today, tonight, depending upon, we're recording during the day, playing during the night, but the podcast can be at any time of day. And our guest is Isabel, I'm going to butcher the last name unless I don't butcher the last name, Braham. That was close. How is it? That was close. Yeah, it's it's Brome, like Rome with a B. But you know what? I've heard it all. So that that sounded good to me. (laughs) Isabel Brome from Midtown Group. And we're going to get to Isabel and we're going to make Isabel feel real good in a moment. But and she's the head of marketing. So listen up because she's very important. She's much more important. <laughs> yeah, people will thank first. I know we need to give some thanks. So we should give thanks to the folk yeah. Van Dyne, Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Three Doors Down, Dave Matthews, St. Vincent. By the way, St. Vincent has a new record coming out. I heard the new song. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kiss, Zach Brown, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you are ready. And we want to give thanks to Christine. Oi. They, a wealth manager at the 4FUR, Forefront Group. Christine has helped many professionals around America manage their investments, plan out for the retirement. When somebody like you is thinking of building a bridge to your personal financial future, think about the Forefront Group and go to christine.oy at forefront.com. Leave the last oy off for savings. Final announcement of the day. Managing your band, seventh edition, done. Wow. In It's going to rock in summertime, early fall. Isabel, you're talking to two authors of a book that's yes. it's going to be published. We were paid money to do this. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, I'm sure you're very impressed. You get, you'll get you get a free copy if you give us a good interview. If you give us all. Oh, yes, please. But if you lie during the interview and we'll be able to tell, then you get no book. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. I'm taking note good. of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, there. so Isabel, it's great to have you. Dr. Stabon, it's even better to have you. And well, thank you very begin. much. You are welcome. Begin with the third degree of Isabel, and then I will jump in and right. destroy her with questions. Well, <laughs> instead of a bunch of agents sitting around saying, what we're going to do, what are we going to do with this COVID thing? And there's no live business. And then the creative mind sort of got together and did what? Oh, man. As far as mint or just in general? Mint. As far as mint, um, yeah, the creative minds, I think this agency is such a reflection of uh, 
people of all parts of the industry coming together to form an agency. So not just agents, but, um, you know, marketing folks like myself um, and, and people from all, all different types of agencies. So we, we have agents from CAA, Madison House, WME, Paradigm, UTA. Um, and creatively, I think uh, we recognize that um, we could take lessons from all sides of the old, the old side of the industry and um, at the highest level, try to adapt and uh, create a whole new brand world for an agency, brand new world for an agency. Um, and I'm excited to be working with all of these folks. And I think the 47 point checklist on the marketing side uh, was just another reflection of everyone coming together to create something new um, and hopefully refreshing for, for all artists and managers and to help kind of bridge that gap with promoters, managers and agents alike. Um, so just recognizing how we can take advantage of every single tool and help each other get to the finish line. Um, and, you know, the end goal there would just be sell as many tickets as possible, uh, with all of our clients on tour. Um, and in the interim, just, uh, focusing on how we can amplify our artists as much as possible while they're not on the road. You started in January of 2020. Yeah, so I've only been with these guys for a short amount of time, but um, it's been a really fun couple of months already. I can tell you it's been a whirlwind, it feels like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a lot of flights are spinning at this point, especially with the vaccine news and um, things are moving quick. <laughs> so we have almost 200 acts signed to our roster. Yeah, that was my um, question. How did, they, um, how did they get so many acts so quickly? With, with uh, I assume there was a non-compete for some with some of them yeah uh, I mean oh sorry go ahead no go ahead it's, it's all I'm gonna say <laughs> um I think that a lot of the artists obviously with the founding agents is carried over with them um yeah. and as we signed more we have brand new acts that we're still announcing um every month and so the roster just continues to grow um and you know a lot of acts remain loyal with with those agents coming over from from other agencies um, obviously in the agency world, a lot has changed and a lot happened during this, this year and then some, so, um, yeah, I think that these artists just remain loyal with the agents that came over to Mint and, um, I think they are excited to be part of a smaller boutique agency that, that has a family like feel and, um, yeah, we, we focus equally as hard on every client. It's, it's not kind of, you know, it's different in that way, I guess. Mm -hmm. And how's the structure of the agency built? Is it built on the old paradigm of, of agents taking certain territories or is it completely different? No, I think um, focusing each, you know, each agent hones in on all of their clients. So not by territory, um, mm -hmm. they're working with, with all promoters. And again, you know, we're, we are a very forward thinking progressive agency um, that's taking advantage of all types of technologies um, and all types of opportunities as we look look to the future. I think, again, this time has just kind of opened up a lot of doors for how agencies can um, get in the mix a little bit more, whether that's utilizing different types of tools to work quicker and faster and more efficient for our clients. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, just how, how we can all work together to, uh, to make sure that all of our clients are set up for success. Mm -hmm. So do you as head of marketing, are you uh, working for the entire agency and trying to get Mint out there as a respectable new kid on the block or <laughs> with the individual artists as well? A little bit of both. That's a great question. Thanks for asking that. Um, yeah, I mean, Mint obviously is new, born in 2020. Um, so I think that it's, you know, twofold. We... I'm working with all of the artists. Um, I'm still, you know, connecting with with each of them and managers um, and agents all the time, um, and walking through that checklist. That um, is a really fun piece of of our marketing department. Um, but yeah, I, I think like part of this role, this that I've stepped into, that I'm really excited about, is also continuing to go grow the brand of Mint and uh, and get the agency out there so that artists are are excited about what we're doing and, and maybe inclined to learn more. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So these were basically veteran agents. 
Yes, that's correct. They had no problem actually with continuing to talk to promoters that they probably had done business with for X amount of years anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I think by bringing all those veteran agents together um, that have, you know, the highest level of experience at all of these larger, larger agencies, mm -hmm. um, it just kind of amplifies our business to the next level, just because, you know, they know what they're doing. They've been here before. Um, and again, we're just working in so much more of a collaborative environment. Um, right. Yeah, in this day and age, you know, we, we sit on our Google Meets and uh, just continue to collaborate. Well, I'm sure this is the way, you know, so many agencies started, obviously with people starting and taking um, people with them. I remember when the Artist Group International and Dennis Afra was with uh, ICM Mm -hmm. And he took the, if I'm not mistaken, he took the Beach Boys and Rodney Dangerfield and I forget, oh, Billy Joel. And he took them with him. Now, to start an agency with, and you have those three clients in, in the late 80s, I believe it was. I mean, it was really not, <laughs> you're off and running immediately and you've got an income stream. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that's the, you know, the, the hope of many um, I guess my question is, how did, how did the beginning start? Were you uh, privy to that information? Did they have a few artists that they could rely on to get some income or did they actually uh, have to go out and get investors? You know, I'm actually not as privy to, to that information. Um, so I can't share too much on that, on that topic, but um, I do know that the, the founding agents came together probably um, knowing that they would have some clients that would carry over with them. Um, and then having those conversations would be set up for success if they chose to, to launch this agency. So um, I think, you know, the powers that be and, and the minds that came together had, you know, right. a thought for a future agency in mind um, and with some clients in mind for sure. Right. Now without, uh, besides size, what would make me interested in going with Mint rather than uh, CAA or, or someone? If I was a new artist and, well, we don't have that luxury of performing and then having three or four agents come and check us out. But be that as it may, if I had that interest of the, of the other big agencies as well, why would I choose Mint? Oof, yeah, you're testing me here. I like this. Um, <laughs> I think kind of like touching on what I said before, um, even though we are small, we we focus on every act the same. So it's not like, hey, we know you're taking some time off and you're gonna tour in a year. Um, we're checking in with you all the time, at least on the marketing side. Um, I can touch on a few things that kind of set us apart from, from the rest of these agencies um, coming from the promoter world. I was also really excited about this opportunity just because I'd kind of experienced what it was like to work with tour marketers um, on a constant basis. Mm -hmm. And um, I, when taking this job, took it upon myself to kind of think of how we could shift the narrative um, and think more like a promoter rather than a tour marketer. So mm -hmm. um, we wanna make sure that our artists are taking advantage of every tool that's out there. Um, and we hope that go by going through this checklist, our, our artists are able to see tangible results with all of these tools that we're, we're giving them. And we're focused on long-term year-round success rather than just, we're gonna help you put up this tour. And once the tour plays off, you won't hear from us. You know, mm -hmm. that's our job and we're done. Um, right. we're, more, we're more focused on how can we help amplify whatever new music you're dropping? How can we help amplify um, a new merch drop that you have coming up? How can we help you know, help with the tour marketing, but then outside of that, take it a step further. So I think that um, with our forward thinking mentality and taking advantage of new tech partnerships that we're constantly looking for um, and making sure that they're utilizing all of the tools that we suggest within this checklist, um, they're set up for long-term success rather than just, you know, a short play of we're throwing up your tour, we're helping you get to these, these dates. And once the dates play off, uh, you know, Talk to you, Sam. <laughs> now, I see you were, um, through your LinkedIn, you were also not only marketing and, and music, but you were involved with Converse for a while. Were you in the 
entertainment end or the talent end of, of Converse or what? Yeah. So um, I lived in Boston for a little over five years. I went to Boston mm-hmm. University right. um, and I was able to meet the Converse folks via their rubber tracks program. So they kind of had a, an arm within um, entertainment marketing that uh, still they have the entertainment marketing department. Um, and I worked for Converse rubber tracks, which at the time um, was a program for emerging artists uh, that allowed them to have the opportunity to come into state-of-the-art studios to record for free um, mm. for a day. Um, and we had just launched uh, the new the new headquarters in downtown Boston wow. um, and had opened up a new studio. So, so had the pleasure of working with the entertainment marketing team mm-hmm. um, and, and a ton of emerging artists on the East Coast to, to record. Um, and... Yeah, it was kind of a, it was an amazing project kind of um, formulated by the head of marketing and he, uh, Jeff Cottrell, actually his daughter is Claro and um, he, yeah, just had a vision for music and Converse and it still obviously is prevalent today. Um, and Red Bull, they, they work. Red Bull is doing that as well, right? Yeah, Red Bull's definitely involved in yeah music marketing, at a heavy, <laughs> in a heavy way. Um, but yeah, it was it was an awesome experience, and it was kind of cool to see the way that the paths crossed. And um, the second part of that program was that uh, they would take artists out on the road, and then in each market would allow one of the bands that had recorded in a studio in that market to come and open for that band. So it allowed them to have an opportunity to open for larger artists that they, you know, maybe wouldn't have the opportunity to do so right. if it were just a promoter looking for local support. Yeah. Um, so that was a cool, that was a very fun, awesome live experience, but also got to know the, the recording side a little bit more too. So what brought you to San Francisco? So I was actually born in San Francisco um, uh-huh. and the Bay <laughs> holds a near, near and dear place to my heart. Boston? <laughs> what brought me to Boston? Oh man, um, I think I just wanted a change. I was nervous that I was going to be that California kid that just like never tried anything new and just stayed with the sunshine. And um, I just wanted to to get out of that California bubble a bit and and meet some new folks and try something different. Um, I also majored in classical music, so um, Boston University was a good liberal arts school where I had you know little bit of a chip on my shoulder and I was worried that I wouldn't want to be an opera singer for the rest of my life and I wanted to make sure I had an option of getting out of that um if I did go to a larger university rather than like a conservatory or a Berkeley College of Music um so yeah that was the draw to to Boston in general I just I wanted something new (laughs) try it out actually that's what I did I have a a BA and not a BM I have a BA in music um, from Syracuse. Oh, nice. I, That's awesome. Was, I didn't want to be just into a conservatory. I yeah. wanted to be fully engrossed in using a, a large university, not only for the social life, but also for the opportunities to, you know, check in biology or philosophy or whatever. Totally. Uh, so, yeah. Great, so great flow. San Francisco. So then San Francisco, um, I moved there because I took a assistant talent buying job and a marketing manager gig at Bimbo's 365 Club. Um, and it's a small independently run uh, club in North Beach, San Francisco. Um, still family run to this day. Um, mm. And Michael Cherky and his family um, are just amazing people. Um, and it was such a awesome, intro to the music scene there just because they've been doing it for so long and um I certainly had some large shoes to fill after their former buyer left um and and Michael was booking the club as well um and they've had you know the greats come through there everyone from Adele to Coldplay um you name it 700 cap club um yeah I learned a ton from them and uh I was super grateful for the opportunity there to, to just, you know, get my feet wet in the music industry in the Bay um, and learn a little bit more about what was going on there. Um, so yeah, that's what got me to the Bay Area, back to the Bay Area rather. Um, right. And then it kind of just 
it feels like a whirlwind since then. <laughs> so I, uh, I then moved over to Golden Voice Bay Area. Um, Golden Voice is obviously AUG Live, um, primarily based in LA, but we had an office in San Francisco. So, all right. Yeah. David, I see you either falling asleep or want to ask a question. No, I have, I have many questions. And um, first of all, you were an opera singer. So if you could just sing like two arias for us, that would be great. Just to come, you don't need to warm up, just go, just. Oh man, actually, just you want me to? M. Just lobo in just a couple of. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You want to sing something, oh, yeah. sing something. I'm scared. From I have, I have raspy voice. I can sing one that's, line that's good. to all the Italians Give out us there. A line. Please don't hate me because I'm going to butcher this. Whew. Okay. Si tu non hi si tu sospiri sor per mi gentil pastor. O dolor di tui martiri, o diletto del tuo amor. Ma si pensi chi soletto. There's that. Bravo. Oh, yeah. Very. Yes, that'll be on the podcast. You're going to Hollywood, baby. Is that my American Idol audition? Yeah, yeah that, that was. Golden ticket coming your way. Okay. So very nice. And I like how you rolled the R's. My kids can't roll R's. I can't either. Whew. A lot of training they on that one. I had to take they Italian. Genetically do it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's been a it's been a Could while be since I've whipped out my my vocal, my yeah. vocal chops, so. Thank you for letting me feature that. No, we appreciate that. And that's going on Spotify and that'll oh, probably okay. uh, on many new release radars all around the world. I'm going to regret it later. I will regret it later. Yeah. You, you if it sounds are. bad, and, just add some auto-tune. Well, and the good thing is you weren't even drunk. You just did it. So <laughs> I've, I've done that a lot drunk. So it got me sober this time. I don't know if it's better or worse. Yeah, yeah it's probably very good. So let me ask you this because... Um, you're a relatively young woman, you know, you're not in your forties, you're not mid career or anything like that. What makes you qualified to be the head of marketing for an agency at this extremely pivotal time in the live industry? You have some major agents who came over starting a new company. Everything's riding on, on this time, you know, this next, we'll call it six months or next year, maybe. Um, what is it about you that, that said, Isabel, you're the one let's go for it. What do you think? Um, for you to oh brag. Man, I want you to brag. You want me to brag? I'm so bad at bragging. I'm like the worst mm -hmm. person to brag about myself. But um, I ask myself that question every day, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I think short answer will be, I hope that I fit into the mold of um, this quote unquote pivotal time um, of just a, a product of the industry being flipped on its head and uh, us being forced to have to think about something and the industry differently. Um, and I think that I would like to think at least that these agents were excited about the fact that I came from the other side. Um, and I know that uh, a lot of people that are invested in this agency, um, just, you know, on an industry level, um, are excited about the idea of people coming from, you know, the flip side to kind of bring their expertise and, and push um, the narrative a little bit, a little bit more than someone who had just been doing tour marketing for 10 to 15 years. Um, and it's just used to kind of going through those motions over and over again. Um, just having someone that's a little bit more forward thinking um, and kind of also willing to put everything on the line. Um, I'm a really hard worker. And um, again, as I've said about the agency, uh, we treat all artists the same. And even if it's a baby band that, you know, doesn't have management or they're doing everything on their own, like I'm willing to sit on a call with them for an hour and a half to walk through how we can amplify their digital presence and how we can make their their next tour a huge success. Um, and yeah, I think, again, all of our agents and myself included are, are growing with one another. I think like Mint, the name itself just kind of says it all. Uh, we're fresh and we're new and we're, uh, we're excited to kind of continue to grow together and, and work collaboratively. So I don't know if that fully answered your question, but that's at least why I, I would hope that I'm qualified for this. Okay, so for all this right, job. you're hired. You're hired. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Started $10,000 a year. So, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Might need a little bit more than that, but okay. <laughs> all right, 11. You talked us up. You're a hard negotiator, Isabel. So for those people listening, let, let, let's talk for one second about, because you've mentioned a few times the other side. The, the customer of the agency is the promoter, in, is what is maybe a thought here. And because you were with the promoter on the promotion end for a while, you understand how they think. So is the concept being, you know how they think, now you know how we think, because you've had both worlds, you are re- going to be really good at creating the marketing plans or creating our marketing, what, what separates us and the bands who are pushing from the other agencies out there. We're, we want to be better than William Morris or CAA or Paradigm, and you're going to help us because you understand both worlds. Is that, am I on the right track there? Yeah, you're on the right track for sure. Um, again, as I mentioned, um, by being, you know, a little bit more collaborative and what we do and by creating, I think this checklist is really what makes us unique and sets us apart in the sense that we're thinking five steps ahead rather than the promoter having to come to us and send us 10 emails about something that they need to make the show successful. We're checking those boxes so that we, then we can hold them accountable on the other end. Um, so that if they come back and they're like, hey, you guys didn't do all these things, we could say, well, yes, we did because we went through everything that we have here um, and, and then some. Uh, and so the idea is outside of just, you know, putting together marketing letters and make sure, making sure that a tour goes up correctly and that assets look good that all of, all of the ticket links look good, that everyone has announced correctly that they're using the right press shot or video graphic or whatever it is, um, that uh, we're thinking five steps ahead. And I think that's, that's, what set, that's what eventually will will set our marketing department apart from these larger agencies where I think they're just stuck in their routine. I, I genuinely do. I think that um, on the other side, just working in the promoter role, and that's not to say that like, I've worked with a ton of tour marketers that are very, very smart, intelligent people. Um, and even then, like the marketing landscape has changed so much within the past 10 years. So I was working in the Bay Area where um, primarily our focus was digital just because it's San Francisco. You know, you have all the techies and you're trying to sell tickets to the techies. So you have to, you know, think about where they're going to live and where where they uh, want to find out about shows. And that was on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, um, just utilizing all of those tools. Um, and I think that the larger agencies have gone into a routine of just saying, here's your targeting. Um, here's the marketing list that you need. Here's announced timeline here. Here's the press shot, send over, send over approved copy. And like, we'll just get this up and go. And, um, we are fortunate enough to, ha- to have had time to think about how we can um, kind of take these things to the next level and also work faster and work more efficiently. Um, whereas in 2019, we were moving a mile a minute and uh, you know the larger agencies probably just didn't have time. They have so much going on. They're representing so many clients. Um, so yeah, I think that Again, we're just fortunate enough to have time right now to, to have ironed out those things to make ourselves more efficient in the future. Well, I think your job's going to be incredibly important once live opens up again, because I, I had this conversation yesterday with Mark Clark, who's a tour manager and accountant, and he's on Tour Management 101, the, the webinar series If people want to watch that and learn everything about the live industry. But I mentioned how uh, what's going to happen once it all opens up, you're going to have a three-lane highway and mm-hmm. lanes worth of traffic trying to go in. And that's going to last for like two years. Cause so there's going to be so many bands and so many artists out there. And I think totally. where you're going to be so important and maybe they, you guys recognize that, that we are going to have to be that many times better than the other agencies. If we're going to sell our fair share of tickets for each of our artists, do you think that makes sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, like part of our checklist is making sure that that our artists are are using every tool possible. So um, it's everything from: Are you thinking about building out custom audiences on your end? Do you have your pixel placed on your website? Um, are you constantly collecting your web traffic data? Um, just again, taking taking what I have on the promoter um, or the experience that I've had on the promoter side, at least in the digital space. Um, and also in the traditional marketing space um, and, and bringing that to the artist camp is a whole different narrative rather than, okay, this promoter, you know, they know what they're doing. 
they've got their whole digital department or they have people that run ads for them. Um, most of the time they're just using affinity targeting um, or, you know, whatever they think would be best. And talking to managers and artists about this type of stuff, um, I think in the, in, a, in the long run will really benefit them. And again, just continue to help with their overall success year round rather than just uh, we're launching a tour and need this data ASAP. Um, so, so thinking about that bigger picture, we're in it for the long haul rather than just, we need this stuff and we need it now. Cause we need to sell tickets ASAP, which really felt like the way that it was before. So it was always, uh, yeah, it was always a panic. Let's hurry versus the bands that you guys are with now. We know we're going to go on tour probably within the next six or nine months. Let's get everything together that we need to do. You were, you mentioned some things in there, custom audiences. We could mention lookalike audiences, you know, in that yeah. we're talking about uh, the Pixel Facebook advertising is what we're talking about there and taking mm -hmm. um, Facebook gives uh, for our listeners, Facebook gives a piece of code that uh, people can bands or artists can put on their website and basically it's, it's like a cookie and it can follow and it can track who's coming to your website and who's not. So you can remarket to those people with your ads and it doesn't have to, it's through Facebook ads manager, but you can just do it on Instagram if you want. It doesn't have to be just on Facebook, but so that's kind of where you're going is that sort of marketing and making sure that they're in the 21st century and that they're not just thinking, even if it's the Allman brothers, you know, we just need a print ad, you know, I'm not saying that's how they think, but because they go back. That totally. You and and are, you know, are you taking advantage of all your streaming platforms? Do you have the most updated uh, pressure on, on all of your, on all of your platforms across the board? Do you have an artist pickup? Um, are you, you know, posting to your fans and all of your knowledge panels and community boards, things like that are, you know, that's organic and free and things that artists can take advantage of all the time. Um, and even personally, just as a fan, I think that I love to hear from artists that I have chosen to follow. So I think if, even if it's like I follow someone on YouTube and I get an organic notification, push notification um, that, you know, so-and-so has posted their, to their community, just an update of them drinking coffee with their dog. Um, those little things like tend to warm my heart. So I think uh, just utilizing every single tool possible. Um, and some of these things are obviously hard to continuously keep updated, but that's why we're here, you know? That's why we're here to to run through this audit and to go through this checklist and to help you uh, wherever you need help, so. Yeah. And I will, will, I'm sorry, yes, go on. Well, I was just gonna say, and also you can't, um, with your variety of artists, you really can't do any cookie, cookie cutting sort of marketing. You go from Herb Alpert to the Almond Brothers to, you know, whomever, I'm just thinking out loud. No, and absolutely. Separate audiences, um, you know, totally distinctly That's, separate audiences. Yeah, it's been really fun for me to um, to run through this audit process as well with every type of artist, um, just because it's been a testament to to us narrowing it down and to hopefully, um, again, those long term tangible results for these artists. Uh, just because I think it does translate well to every single genre and every single type of artist that we have on the roster mm -hmm. um, because they are, um, they might seem basic, but in the long run, uh, it's just going to contribute to their, to their success when the tour launches. So um, it, it's definitely not, it's not cookie cutter stuff. It's a little bit more granular, um, but we also are here for, you know, the more cookie cutter stuff like radio targets and, recommendations on assets, whether that's video or static, um, but then taking it to the next level, like let's ask promoters what's performing best. Let's look at your um, audience data on your streaming platforms and see uh, do does your audience skew more female, male? What are your age demographics? What are your top cities? Um, how can we get a little bit more granular with how our promoters are running paid media? Um, is there a song that's performing best that's blown out of the water? Should we use that in our video instead of your new single? Because maybe people will just register when they see the ad a little bit more. Um, things like this are just, you know, what we're thinking about. I would think um, you're probably talking to a lot of artist managers, for example, or artist management teams. 
And I bet sometimes it's it's great and sometimes it's probably frustrating because it, it feels like you are an advisor. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm fortunate enough that I manage an artist and they're signed to Mint Agency. And um, you and I have our Zoom call, you know, we just signed. And then you, the whole point of uh, Mint in their opening salvo that we exist was the 47 point marketing plan that, um, and you've mentioned a few times our, our marketing plan. So it's this 47 point marketing plan. And so I guess um, a lot of the time is spent at the very beginning. Here's what you need to do to be successful. And you're really sort of be, being another member of the team and you're advising from a marketing perspective. So to me, that, that would be um, attractive to go with Mint because I, as a manager, maybe I'm talking to the artist, but I can go to you and I actually, you're, it's sort of outsourced marketing that's basically free. It's a service that you're providing to your artists. Um, but you, I should also make it very clear that Mint is not then buying ads on behalf of the artist. You're not, you're basically advising us how to run our ad campaign, but you're not saying here's $10,000, here's $5,000, now market your new, new song. It's not that. I just no, it, yeah, it's not that. Um, and also just going back really quickly with the, the checklist, it's less so here's what you need to be successful and more. These are the recommendations that we would make to amplify your presence. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable taking them or if these, these don't align with um, your vision, we'd love to talk about it. Um, and we'd love to learn from you on, on what you feel like works best because at the end of the day, you know, managers know their artists best and um, we're happy to learn from their um, successes and their failures and to chat about, you know, what is working best for their artists. So I think um, instead of presenting it as like, this is what you need to be successful, it's more, hey, we've done our due diligence on our end and we just, we wanted to walk you through this. If you feel comfortable taking these recommendations into account, that's great. If not, like, let's chat about it and, um, let's figure out the best course of action. Um, and it's definitely more of a bird's eye view approach rather than we're given the marketing budget to then um, provide full-blown media buying um, services. That's definitely not what we're doing, but we um, we want to remain intelligent on that side of things just because it'll only help our artists in the future when they go on the road and we chat with uh, the promoters that are holding the marketing budget, if they are running ads on their own, or if, you know, an artist already has a digital agency that is working on their media buying and they're running ads for them. Um, we want to, we want to make sure that we can have those conversations with them and, uh, continue to be collaborative, um, just so that we're all aligned essentially, rather than just kind of being in the dark on a few things. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just want to remain relevant and, and in that conversation for sure. But it's also important, it should also be made clear that from an artist's perspective, the more they can control in terms of who their audience is and in, in collecting that data, the better they're going to be. Because once they get to a point where they're playing Ticketmaster venues and Ticketmaster is selling and Live Nation is promoting, Live yep. Nation and Ticketmaster, they're holding on to that data. They're not telling you who bought tickets. Oh yeah. So you can look in the audience and you can see the faces but they're not handing you after the show. Okay, here's here's who uh, bought all these tickets. Now you can market back to them. They're they're not giving that. So you want? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Oh, I mean, I, that's just a perfect segue into um, kind of our forward thinking mentality with with trying out new things um, and just embracing technologies um, and and seeing how you know these top quality results can be delivered. I think that um, Light is a perfect example and we just partnered with them um, to kind of change uh, the way that we route tours. And um, in case listeners are not familiar with Light, um, they allow fans to pre-reserve tickets um, to shows within their market, so, or their city that they live in. Um, The venue and date are unannounced, but what you can do is you can put your credit card down Um, It's risk-free and uh, the fan is notified before the show or sorry, when the show is announced um, and they're essentially a first in line for those tickets. So kind of those really scary uh, pre-sales and pre-sale codes um, for the super fans, this option kind of allows you to have first access to tickets within your market. 
Um, and you're notified before your credit card's charged and, and all that jazz. But um, again, this is allowing our agents to kind of see, okay, where are top markets? How many people are interested in seeing, you know, whichever artist in Omaha or, you know, even if it's Seattle, LA, how many people are willing to um, reserve a ticket up front rather than wait for, wait to see what venue it's at and, and what date. Um, and we're seeing some, some really amazing su success with this platform. Um, and we have, you know, over 30 artists that have signed up to use it so far. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it's also from a data perspective, really meaningful for the artists because they, they get to see who their super fans are um, and who's the most engaged and willing to, you know, again, put their credit card down for an arbitrary date and an arbitrary venue. Um, but they're just that excited to see them again. And it'll be interesting to see how this translates moving forward um, outside of COVID times. But I think right now um, it's, it's amazing for artists to be able to one, gather that data and for the agents to see what the demand looks like um, in each market. So, so does I, light, sorry, go so, ahead. So in that scenario, does light become the ticketing company for that? Cause I was looking up light and it was, I was, I, I couldn't completely understand if light is a, they're not a reseller of tickets, but so they're, they, they're not ticket, they, a ticket minister. So go on. No, that's okay. They fulfill the orders via uh, all the ticketing, the ticketing preferred ticketing platform that the venue uses. So they'll work with, um, you know, if it's Ticket Web, they'll work with Ticket Web to to set those holes aside for each show. If that makes sense. Yeah, and the, and the big thing is they're they're collecting the data and they're giving you the data and then you're giving it to the artist and you're keeping it as well because then. You're working to yeah. get help helps with route well, tour. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's valuable for the managers. Um, it's exciting for the artists to see, you know, who's excited where. Um, and again, it's just changing the narrative. I, I was on I was on the side where we we as promoters just wanted to collect as much data as possible because then it just makes you the more valuable promoter. Um, and it makes, you know, at the end of the day, some some of those things end up sealing the deal with your offers. Um, and it's super exciting to be on the artist side now and to have those conversations with them about how they can continue to collect their own data and find out more about their fans um, and engage with things like membership programs and um, talk about SMS marketing and if they're interested in texting with their fans and um, just kind of, again, flipping the whole thing on its head and let's put the artist in the driver's seat and see how it goes. I think the promoters will be just as happy because they'll continue to push the show just as hard as the promoters are. So um, it'll be really fun to see how it all unfolds in the next six months for sure. Yeah, exactly. Now you did mention earlier that you'd be with some of your bands that or artists that you guys sign, um, they might be indie. They may or may not have management. Hopefully they do. But, um, you know, you're hopping on the phone with them and you're counseling them. You know, you, you mentioned like a 90 minute call, you know, which is that's just an arbitrary number, obviously. But um, what, what are some of the things, let's say I'm indie band. I just signed, you know, agreed to work with Mint and my agent. We're all hopping on a call together. Uh, what are some of the things that you some of the most important things that you're suggesting to me that. I should make sure I have, I have uh, checked off so that I can succeed best. Yeah. Um, also, I'd love to add that um, our agents are on our calls too, and they love to be involved. And uh, at every step of the way, they're amazing people and know their artists so well. So um, I really enjoy hearing their two cents on on everything that you know our team puts together. Um, so just want to add that as a tidbit. So, and for uh, new artists, I think working through the audit, obviously um, your social presence is a, is a huge deal. Uh, we'll just help organically get the word out about anything that you're doing, whether it's a new video, new music. Um, we'll eventually help with your tour when you're put out on the road, um, making sure that 
you have some content to put out into the world. Video content is awesome. Um, that you, I know right now the live stream space is, is a bit saturated, but um, even if you're just going live on socials and, and chatting with your fans that you have continuing to, to remind your fans that you're there and you're active. Um, uh, we, yeah, we talk a lot about socials and, and even just on an organic level, how important they are. Um, outside of that, your website, um, how is your SEO looking? When someone Googles you, can they find you? Um, just little things like that. I think even just off the bat, uh, you know, using tools like Bands in Town and Songkick, making sure that event eventually when your, your tour dates are dropped that everything looks good there and everyone knows where you're going, when and how they can find you. Um, so I would say those are the core things outside of just getting granular with how they can amplify, you know, their paid media presence when and if the time comes. Um, but I think, again, every artist is treated equally. So I would walk them through everything that we have to offer um, the same as, as any other artist on the roster. So. Mm -hmm. How big is your department? It's me right now. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but the hope is that Obviously, when when tours come back, uh, that will be growing really quickly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. My, my daughter just texted me. Well, texted me. I told her what I was doing. She's a uh, marketing and major at University of South Carolina. Oh, she, nice. She wanted to know if you had any virtual internships in marketing. We do. Uh, we have we have a program um, happening right now. We also have um, a very exciting announcement that I can't share right now, but it will be up next week that um, maybe you could add to the description of this this show or something like that. Um, I wish I could speak more to it. It's just the timing didn't align, um, but we will be announcing something exciting next week that um, I will send to you once it's, once it's announced for your daughter. Great. Yes. I actually, I mentor somebody in a program called the Well Done Program, and he just got an internship with uh, you guys uh, oh, a couple yeah. days ago. I, I yeah, tagged we, you in it on LinkedIn. Michael. Uh, yes, we met Michael. Yes. Yes. Yes, we did. We met him um, yesterday. Time is, you know, I don't even know what time is anymore, but um, yes, we met him yesterday. So, so exciting. I was like, this is such a small world. So crazy. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to work with these, uh, with the interns and to learn from them just as much as, you know, they're hanging and learning from, from the Mint folks, I think. I don't know. It's, it's refreshing to be with a group of people that um, all are just really stoked to learn from one another. And it doesn't feel like there's this strange hierarchy thing that happens at corporate companies sometimes um, where it's just an ego-driven competitive environment and instead we're just all pushing the train forward because we have something to share and we're listening to one another um, so yeah it's a really I'm super pumped to be with them if you couldn't tell already <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get into just a couple things let's say I'm an artist and you're thinking why are you not on TikTok? You should be on TikTok. And the artist says, and the artist is emotional about TikTok. They don't understand the functionality, how TikTok can help them. So they're just like, I, that's stupid. I don't like that TikTok. I don't, I don't think that makes any sense. Meanwhile, you're like, you totally should be there. What would be your argument without screaming? For them to join? Them? Yeah, how would you try to convince them that this is in your best interest and trying to look beyond your emotion about this and, and think as a career move, this actually might make a lot of sense for you. Um, oh man, TikTok, it is such an interesting place. Um, it's mm -hmm. dangerous. And <laughs> I think a lot of artists do need convincing uh, with the platform. Um, I think there is an element of virality to the platform where if you you know, add the right hashtags and use the right music or, or whatever it is. Um, there's overnight success. And um, that's like a million fans that you probably wouldn't have elsewhere. I would say that, um, say your demographic skews, maybe late 20s, early 30s, uh, maybe late 30s. 
Um, TikTok obviously has a much younger demographic than a lot of other platforms out there. Um, so you could you have the opportunity to reach a whole different fan base um, if you are active on that type of platform. Um, but yeah, I think it just, it opens up a whole new world of content. You can create just these little videos that are totally DIY, but for whatever reason, hundreds of thousands of people watch them. Um, it's a constant conversation. And, and I actually, um, I have a conversation set up with, with TikTok to, to learn more about how everything's going with music. But, um, Again, I would just say you'd reach a whole different fan base um, if you were to join the platform. And who knows? You know, I think you could put anything up there and uh, you could go viral. And again, that's just a whole other world of people that you wouldn't necess necessarily have on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, your, your pre-existing fans, because it is a place where anyone has the potential to become famous. Um, and I know that, you know, Instagram sort of was that world before, and it still is to, you know, definitely to a certain degree. Um, but I think TikTok has opened up this like completely different world of just TikTok creators. And um, we just signed a really exciting emerging artist. Her name is Bella, um, if you want to check her out. And she has this like insane, beautiful voice. Um, her TikTok following is through the roof. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, obviously, she's super active on the platform and I think has had tremendous success with it. Um, and all of her fans go gaga over all of her videos. So I think, yeah, that would be my pitch. I'm not sure if that was convincing, but it's no, a different I world. Think, no, I, th I think it's good. And I think then the hard part for the artist is then not just convincing them to post something once in a while, to post basically for TikTok, post something, okay, every day. Yeah, literally, like I manage an artist and um, we have some releases coming out uh, end of this month and in May. And we're doing just internally a 60 days of TikTok, one TikTok a day for 60 days. We're on day five. She'd already been there. But yeah. just that kind of thing. Just just do it. It sucks some days, you know, on a, <laughs> a Friday. If you're off, make eight TikToks and that's eight days. of yeah. But put up your it's going to take some time. But all of a sudden you're going to see when I was getting 250 views of a TikTok, all of a sudden my base is now 1100 views, you know, yeah, and totally. it just goes up. And you can also say that just recycle it, uh, record it on your screen, grab it on your phone before you upload it to TikTok and put it up on Instagram's reel. On reels. Yeah. Yeah. And reels totally. as uh, so you're getting more views on reels than on TikTok. And now. Yeah. They're working hand in hand. Totally. I think it's, People don't talk enough about how every social platform is so different and how recycling content, um, it's good. I think Reels and, and TikTok, you know, definitely go hand in hand. And I've seen a lot of success with people posting videos um, on, on both platforms. But um, like Twitter is more of a witty place where you find quick news or people are just, you know, blasting out what they're thinking. Um, Instagram can be a little bit more formal or just like totally full of personality, but more like graphic based. And then Facebook now, at least I feel like on my end is more of like a news driven platform, like long form content, um, more sharing of articles, things like that. Um, and it's good to separate those things and come up with what your content plan looks like, um, but also remain consistent through all of your platforms with your tone of voice. Um, creating, you know, who you are as a character um, and just like sticking to that remaining true. Um, and yeah, I think recycling content is great, but it's always good to just, you know, have intention when you post things. And um, yeah, I think like you said, record a few at, at the same time and, and just get through it. And, and having a plan like that really helps you rather than just being like, oh, I need to post on TikTok today. What am I going to do? And you think too much about it and you get in your head and then you're like, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> so I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. We actually last Friday, we sat for an hour and we just brainstormed themes, you know, because 60, yeah. 60 pieces of content you have to come up with and you're, and it's on the artist to do it, you know? Totally. So um, if it, it makes, if you, we came up with like four different themes and a bunch of sub themes so that basically in the end, she had enough content to build 
60 days of, and, and the idea is 60 days, and then we're going to keep going, but prove to her that in these 60 days, look how well it's going to do for you and expand your footprint. So I love that. And, it's very you know, methodical. It con- yeah. And it all goes in conjunction with, with the music and with the live streaming, then ultimately, you know, a year from now with, with shows. So, um, and, and it hope, you know, helps rise the level rises, you know, lifts that boat. So um, more people can see that you're floating and, you know, maybe it gets connections with agencies and connections with whatever. So, and fans totally. sell tickets. So that's good. Love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. I well, love, we love things like that. <laughs> I think we love you. Marconi, do you have any final questions? Cause we're at the witching hour. I mean, we could... No, not really. <laughs> no. I talked your ear off. I mean, we could you're talk done with forever. me. <laughs> yeah. We could talk forever on this. So. Thank you guys so much for having me on here. I feel like I don't talk about this stuff publicly enough. So it's been a pleasure to speak with you. And thanks for all of your thoughtful questions. No, this great. Is great. I love it. And it's really good for, I think, artists to, who are listening. Because the one thing artists, if they don't understand, the sexy thing is still, if you're an indie artist, I want to get signed to a label. And really, if you're an indie artist, you want to get signed to an agent. And you want to work with an agency because the money is going to come from playing live and from merch sales. And so an interview like this and the things you're saying about the marketing can really, I think, help a lot of artists to say, okay, if if I do all this, that's going to attract Isabel Brom and say, I said your name, right? Uh, But, but mint group or some other, because there were a couple others, uh, three or four others like mint that have popped up over the last six months as a result of COVID of, of agents being fired or leaving or, you know, uh, furloughed. So um, it's, it's good stuff. So it's, it's, it's a good time, I think, for artists to really invest now because six months it, you're going to start seeing hopefully something happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, I feel fortunate to be able to work during this time um, and to help our artists start to think about these things and uh and to just chat with the agents about it too um yeah it's it's an exciting time I think I'm praying for you know future days where we can all gather together and, and watch a show um I'm excited for that but but this time has also been super valuable to to get our ducks in a row so awesome well that's great well thank you for being the ducklings to biz 101 and more we we love that and uh so hang on one sec because now we're going to say you know what we say by the way by the way thank you dr Stavon, for being here and thank you my good co-host and thank you for our wonderful guest isabel brome we want to thank you and by the way it's spelled weird but it's pronounced like rome but brome you know what we say at the end of every show isabel what's that you know we because we don't say hello because that'd be silly at the end of every show we say I could be whatever you need and then some affair to see all yours nightmare that's me There, I can sugarcoat all the bright taste, make you fall to your knees.